You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to those ancestral helping spirits, those who are ready, willing, and able to join us here and to function as true ancestors. We call out to these people who lived well and died well in your line and in mine. We call out to these people that go all the way back to the first man and the first woman, that connect us all as one big human family. And I call out to these people who met the challenges of their own time, who learned and grew and struggled and prevailed, these people who can help us to meet the challenges of our own time. So I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today to gather round, to whisper in our ear, to help us to learn from those who have gone before us, to learn from the mistakes that humanity has already made numerous times, and to go forward in a new way, to rise to the challenges of our time in a way that creates a world that those who are coming will be happy to inherit. And joining us in this challenge, which is considerable these days, I reach through the human ancestors to those other living things here on this planet that are even older ancestors, older than the people that were here long before there was ever a person. And I call out to these ancestors that are all the many manifestations of nature here with us, life here with us in its great diversity. And I call out to these energies to be with us here to help us to remember our nature, to tune into those energies that are profound and strong and good in a human being, to be better humans, and to bring that energy forward in a way that is a gift and a blessing to the whole web of life. And I ask these helping spirits to assist us as well. And as the helping spirits begin to gather around us here today, let us gather ourselves from wherever our Awareness might be into our head and with another breath, move it from our head to our heart and with another breath from our heart to our belly and from our belly, let us reach down, take a moment and touch the earth to give gratitude for this day and all that it holds for you, even the challenges and all the blessings. We give gratitude for the beauty, we give gratitude for the diversity, the opportunity, the possibility that lies around us and we give gratitude in this moment for the simple awe of life itself and understand that we each carry it and let us be respectful and honorable to this great gift we've been given. And as we reach down through all the layers of the earth to ground ourselves in the very center of the earth, let, us, let our gratitude flow out in layer after layer after layer into the earth. Let it flow out and connect in and let the earth feel our thanks as we reach down to the very center of the earth, to these energies that are the energies before, that which is almost before potential, that which nourishes and sustains, refreshes and renews, that which allows us to go deeply within at night and sleep and let our own soul and our being be renewed by that time in darkness, in stillness, in peace. So we reach down to the center of the earth and draw this energy up, drawing it into our lives, bringing in this energy that refreshes, restores, and rejuvenates, calling it into our body, all the way up into our belly and our heart and our mind. And with this energy from the earth, let us use it to understand how to be grounded in our body, in the place that we are, in the moment in time that we are, wherever that might be. And from that place of groundedness, let us come to understand where we stand in this life and to stand up for that, to know what is willing, we are willing to fight for in life and to make those things real in the world. Let us create a sense of home and hearth and belonging 
that is not only aligned with those things that have value and meaning in our life, but is also open to those people and things that are different than we are. We ask those energies to come in, to challenge us, to help us to see things differently, to open our minds, to provoke creativity and ideas we never would have thought had we not been exposed to someone so different than we are. We ask these energies to come into our home and into our life and help us all to become the men and women we've truly come here to be. And as we do this, let us come into right relationship with all the many aspects of ourself within better relationship with our environment, with all the energies around us, and with the spirit world. And as we come into right relationship and grow ever more mature in our ability to relate to things um, outside of ourselves and inside of ourselves, let us connect into that great web of life. And let us understand this, this deeper knowing of what is really going on here. And to know that we have a place in that web, and to take that place in a good way. And so with the energy of the earth moving through us, let us reach our awareness up into the sky, from the sky to the atmosphere and through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos. As we reach up and up and up and up to these radiant energies from above, whether you conceive of it as the stars, the moon, the sun and all the heavenly bodies, or you conceive of it as a god, or you have names or concepts, whatever it is, however it is that you reach up to these energies above, reach up and draw these energies down into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings. And in this way, we call in the energy of blessing into our lives. May we be blessed and protected. May we feel the commitment and devotion to a life well lived. May we be inspired and may the way be illuminated when we are lost. We call these energies in from above to bring in all the wisdom of the cosmos and the benevolence of this universe. We draw this energy in, down into our head, our head to our heart, heart to our belly. From our belly, we send it down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we connect. We become this place of union of these two great legendary lovers, the earth and sky, the yin and yang energies, these two great beings. And it is in their love, in their big love, that cosmic love that we can barely comprehend that this experience of form is brought into manifestation here that we are all sharing. So we give gratitude to these beings and we ask the spirit of that, back, that big love to awaken the spirit in our hearts. And may that crucible of transformation that lives there in that heart call up the fiery passions of your belly and down the crystal clarity of your mind. May your inner self be aligned here and connected in the heart. And may those energies challenge each other. And may that become a dynamic dance of tension that gives birth to the thing you're here to do. Why are you here? That memory lives in the heart. So provoke it to come forth today and find the courage in that same human heart to do something in this day, large or small, to make those gifts manifest in the world. And for all the spirit assistance that we have, to do that, each and every one of us, to do what we have come here to do, even the slightest confused little inkling of what it might be, may we act on that so that the boldness will join us. And we give gratitude for all the help that we have in this here, in our human life. May what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. Speaking of living things that I am thankful for, I'd like to give thanks to Richard and Belle and Michelle, to Amy, Evelyn, Susan, Teresa, and Janice, and all of the listeners who have donated to the show. For those of you who are listening for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported, which means the bills that must be paid to keep not only the live show, but the 300-plus hours of archives available and free on the internet for anyone who can get online. Those bills are paid by the listeners, and I give great gratitude for that help that I receive in keeping this show available to everyone. And for those who want to donate to the show, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. Click the support button and donate any amount you choose to, large or small. It's all welcome, and it all goes directly to keeping the show on the air, literally. If you would prefer a regular old-fashioned address for a regular old-fashioned check, I'm happy to supply that to you if you email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. The fall classes are on the website at lastmaskcenter.org as well if you'd like to register. 
So, if this show moves you in any way, particularly today, might be a little frustrating for some people, it still moved you. It doesn't have to make you happy. Hopefully, it at least make you think. And if it does, if it moves you, please do that most shamanic, core shamanic of things, which is to allow that which moves your heart to motivate your actions in your life and to do something, large or small, to help the show to grow in some way. And if you can't donate financially, um, share the show, connect it to your network, bring it, these ideas into your journey circles, go learn to journey and begin to practice, wrestle with the ideas, do something with them, let me know how it goes and continue um, to help me to keep the show interesting and um, valuable for those who are listening today as we continue together to understand how to apply shamanic skills in a practical way in our contemporary lives. So, we are live today. If you have questions about today's topic, which is about claiming your power and then dealing with what happens. So, if you have uh, questions about today's topic, you can call in at 512-772-1938 or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. All right. So... Today's show is another show inspired by listeners, and I'm sorry about um, the questions I didn't quite get to on last week's show. I had a couple other listeners. I promised I would respond to their questions, and I didn't. I apologize for that. But today's show is all about one one question, one email from a listener. So it goes back to this aspect of healing, form of healing that we have when we move into the shamanic realms called soul retrieval healing. And what can result from that is a direct and immediate return of our personal power. You're going to get the direct and immediate return of something, but often it's our personal power or our courage to use it or some sense of purpose in life. And the thing to understand is shamanic healing is not a therapeutic process. It is a direct energetic intervention. And uh, so what changes in a session can be quite sudden. So when we receive some kind of personal power or greater clarity and purpose in life, um, that creates this sudden and literal change in our own personal power, then this requires a fairly sudden and intentional change in our boundaries throughout all of our relationships that we have cultivated in our life. And so today's show is about the shifts of empowerment and what we do after that shift happens. Um, So first off, when we think about these shifts of power in and of themselves, it begs the first three questions, which actually kind of precede the questions of the um, listener who's kind of already got this part figured out, but not everybody does. So. The first thing is, the first question is, did you actually respond to the healing by making the needed changes in your boundaries? In other words, as you received the infusion of power or purpose or clarity from your healing that changed you, did you then sort of let that ripple out and make changes in your boundaries in the first place. So did you respond to your own healing? If so, great. Yay. So the next thing is now how will you deal with the fact that a change in boundaries is rarely welcome? It is often met by others that you are in relationship with, with resistance, with perhaps derision or ridicule um, or outright anger. And people in their anger endeavoring to undermine us, either within the family system or at work. So these issues can happen both in our personal relationships and our professional relationships. Right. So here you've had this great healing and the point is a lot of people in your life are not necessarily going to be happy about what that change creates. Now, keep in mind, when your boundaries change, that will be quite welcome to the more mature and energetically healthy people in your life. So I'm not saying that everybody will definitely across the board have a problem. Those people in your life who are healthy and spiritually mature 
energetically healthy and spiritually mature will be relieved actually that you finally shifted your boundaries in a way that is healthier for you and for them those relationships will likely flourish potentially grow into ways they weren't um, actually able to grow before so i'm not saying it's an across the board bad thing but the listeners questions questions were really about when what how do we deal with when a good thing for us our healing our coming into our power our owning our own you know our own self-empowerment and our ability to be a different person in the world how do we deal with the fact that that often causes problems okay so then the third question so the first was did you change your boundaries the second was how do you deal with people who respond in a problematic way when you do change your boundaries and the third question is often the greatest resistance to the change that we've experienced in our healing around our power and even from our boundaries often the greatest resistance to that is actually coming from within within ourselves and that that is fueled by our fear that if I make these changes in my family or in at work you know make these changes in myself relative to my family or work then I will be either abandoned or excommunicated by these people that I believe love and respect me um, so you know what often there is re- internal resistance to changing the dynamics of power in your relationships so the problem that I'm going to be honest about is Many of the people that you love and that you respect and that you believe love and respect you, many of them will abandon you or banish you. There, if you change, it is, it is a real possibility that people you think could love and respect you will abandon or banish you. It's a possibility. And so what? It's important for you to recognize as you become more and more conscious as a person of power that if that was the actual nature of the relationship, that that you needed to stay disempowered to stay in the relationship, then it's perfectly fine that that person either abandons or banishes you. It's not not a relationship that is going to necessarily grow with you anyway. So to be honest, yeah, that could happen. The important thing is it's not necessarily going to happen because in any relationships, if you look at family systems therapy and the dynamics of relationships, a change in any one person in the system will ultimately change the whole system. But the point is it does happen and it does hurt. So this is very tender territory. This this territory of our relations with others um, after we've reclaimed some kind of personal power Um, especially after a direct repair of the soul which comes to us through soul retrieval work so this territory may require um, that you gain new life skills you may not actually have the skills you need to navigate this new territory it will most definitely require most people to gain a new attitude and it's very important to keep in mind throughout all of this your own deep and ever deepening devotion to the spirit of your own heart you are responsible to yourself first and then others if you are not responsible to yourself then no one's going to be and then you become other people's problem so you must be responsible to yourself first and when we're talking about personal power devotion to your own heart is critical or otherwise it all becomes about power without the responsibility to really direct that power towards what you have come into this world to do okay so moving right along so here's an example directly from the listeners um, email that inspired today's show so what she said is she had her first soul retrieval last February this wasn't with me by the way just with another practitioner And she says that one of the many things returned to me was a soul essence that had my power or one of my main sources of power. And the shaman told me after the retrieval that there would be people in my life um, that would want healing from me. And I thought this was great since I'm a psychotherapist and professor. 
(laughs) And then she continues. What I was not expecting is a pattern of women in my life that are acting out on me so far this year. And then she went on to list this amazing list of um, relationship after relationship, personal and professional, in which her picking up her power and changing her boundaries accordingly in a very healthy way, um, at least by her description, um, caused friction, at least, if not outright anger, and some very, very unprofessional behavior in some of the professional relationships. And her question, it was really, you know, act, you know, what, how, how do you deal with this? Not and her questions are coming from a pretty mature, I, I perceive, a pretty mature realization that she has to deal with it, right? Not like, can we, how do we make this go away? But more that sense of really, you know, Christina, in your life, have you experienced this? And if so, how did you deal with this? This is really hard. And it is hard. I'm not even going to pretend it's not. It is really hard. Um, the most important thing that we need to keep understanding throughout any conversation about power and our expression of it through relationship which is mitigated in the best possible way by having healthy boundaries okay with that said though the most important thing we always have to remember is that we cannot control how others respond to us now part of my what i want to try to talk about in this show is the things that we can do that create the highest possibility that people can respond in a good way. But it's just about creating potential. We cannot control how people respond to us. And any endeavor to do so is manipulative and or codependent behavior. It's the very fundamental um, core of that behavior. And and the listener who's writing these questions knows this. But again, and I want to make sure this show is valuable to those of you that haven't quite gotten on that page yet. Um, so the listener understands she can't control anybody's behavior behavior, and she's asking, so now what, you know, given that I'm not going to let go of my power, I am going to maintain these healthy boundaries and I cannot control these other people. Now what? Okay. So before I answer now what for that kind of situation, let me repeat one of the most important understandings about personal empowerment and the right use of your will. You cannot control or manipulate how others will respond to you, even where it appears that you can manipulate other people. Don't. (laughs) It is not right use of power to manipulate others or even desire to. My helping spirits have been very clear about this with me. And I have to admit that at the stage of coming out of addictive codependent behavior and beginning to claim my power, particularly spiritual power in my own personal journey, which is a humble human journey like anybody else's, I um, didn't have a lot of human help, didn't have a lot of um, human mentors. And so I really had to depend on my helping spirits for this. And And in many ways, as heartbreaking for me at the time, and frustrating as that was, and how much I actually often cried myself to sleep at night because of it, the truth of the matter is I was better off. I know that now. Because the helping spirits did not engage in human drama with me about this. They were very simple. Stop worrying about what others think about what you say or do. Period. And that feels very dangerous to just simply stop worrying about it. Because we're coming at that worry from our childhood place of worrying about whether or not we're going to get the food and the love, right? But we're also coming out of it out of our kind of addictive, codependent, manipulative behavior. And so our perspective is really skewed. And so what the helping spirits, what I understand now the helping spirits were saying is there's no in-between here. Just stop worrying about it because your worry is coming out of the past And it's an inappropriate projection to be putting on the present. The other side of that, though, is look at your wake. Look at what you are creating as you move through life, not worrying about other people's 
what they're saying and doing, not worrying about their response to you. Because the other side of that to keep you from being totally inappropriate and outrageous and damaging for no good reason is to look at the wake. Look at the chaos that you are creating as you move through your life. Is it really what you imagined? Is it what you wanted? Is it what you perceive of it to be? Pay attention. What are you creating? Is that what you want to be creating in the world? And if not, change your behavior. So it's not about completely ignoring other people. It's about not worrying about what you think other people will do. Do what you need to do as the best right expression of your will and your power as you can do with the healthiest boundaries you can muster and look at your wake. See what gets created. Decide whether or not that's all right with you. That's the basics that the helping spirits taught me. And then within that, I had to go learn a number of skills to be able to manage that in-between place. Now, this is, of course, most challenging with family and work, where you really, in many ways, are, are challenged in your ability to walk away. So the truth is, because we are people of free will, we can walk away. However, we don't always want to. For many people, there are cultural and social challenges to walking away, like poverty makes it harder to walk away. Um, needing to walk away from an abusive spouse when you've got six children, that makes that harder to walk away than it would have been for me with no children, right? I mean, so we, this is part of the conversation about power, and we'll get there in a minute. So my point is, we always can walk away. This is most challenging with family and at work. Do it anyway. So with family, you may need to step away for a while to get your own new energy sorted out because, of course, familial, family of origin relationships are the most fundamental of, you know, it's where we got those patterns of being disempowered that you're now moving out of, right? So the fact that someone is family is not justification to stay in a deeply unhealthy relationship with them. Now, having a clearing practice solves a lot of the middle ground. But my point is because they're family, at a certain point of toxicity and abuse of energy is no longer an excuse. And you need to know that possibility. Right? Now work is of course a whole different situation and you may not be able to be, get free of something or step away from something. And maybe you love your job. And you want to be there. Maybe you even love most of the work environment, but a couple relationships at work. Who knows what that is? But the important thing about work is let's be factual. Document what's going on. Keep a journal of what is going on. If you have human resources, go tell them. And if there aren't human resources or you don't trust human resources from past experiences, do you have a mentor in that system? Someone who is perhaps... Um, more mature in the system, someone that mentored you along, someone who is trusted so that someone knows what is going on as it is happening, as you are doing your best to manage yourself in the situation. So, you know, be real. Okay, but back to the listener's question. So now what? So let's say that you aren't worrying about what people might do. Because that our listener's question isn't about worrying about what people might do. Her examples are, I received my soul part back, I gathered that power in, I integrated, I changed my boundaries, I'm being much healthier in my personal and my work boundaries, and everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Right? Her questions are from further down the road. She's not worrying about what people might do. She's dealing with what people are doing. Right? So that's a different different place, right? So, But that's the real question of today. How do we deal with all of the negative stuff, the painful stuff, the hurtful stuff that happens when we actually are doing the right thing? And we may even be doing it in a really good way. And the fur still flies. And it will. There is no perfect way to do it so that everybody else is going to be happy. Give that one up. Okay, so... So now what? 
right? So you're not worrying about what people are doing. You're doing it anyway, and the fur is flying. Relationships are falling apart. People are abandoning you. People are um, banishing you. Um, not exactly what you expected as you got your healing. Okay, so the first thing is it doesn't matter. Being a mirror for other people sucks. It does. It hurts. Being projected on is excruciatingly uncomfortable. There is no way you can create a situation in life other than living in a cave for the rest of your life that will keep people from projecting on you. It's uncomfortable because it is fundamentally unjust. It is that micro action of injustice that leads to the micro, yeah, that leads to the macro injustices that we see in the world. It is what it is and it will happen, especially today when so many people are so profoundly spiritually immature and, and really inappropriate with their power. Or, or frankly, feeling horribly disempowered. So projection is going to happen. And it sucks. Grow a thicker skin. So, so I, what then do you need to do to grow a somewhat thicker skin? And that's going to depend on the kind of person that you are and the way your energy moves. Um, for some people, they need to move the stagnant excessive energy they have because they tend to be more rooted, more grounded, a little bit more depressed, begin to lift that energy up and stir it into some really useful, effective boundaries for yourself. For people that are really sensitive and empathic, which is often people in the healing professions, you're going to need to literally grow thicker skin. You are going to need to create a more durable energy body for yourself. And I, and I, and I'm really, um, disturbed by the language I'm starting to hear of people saying, you know, I just can't be grounded. I just can't deal with people's stuff. So I need to learn to shield myself. It's like, no, because when you shield, the difference between shielding and boundaries, and as I understand it, is that boundaries are intelligent. They're flexible. They adapt to what's going on. They are necessary in healthy relationship and they are connected to your willingness to choose to be grounded. And if we do these things, ultimately, our capacity to function in the world is highly upgraded. When we shield, we may effectively shield ourselves from the problem, the identified problem, but we are also shielding ourselves from our helping spirits. Shields are shields. We shield ourselves from ourselves. And so what's interesting to me is how many people are looking to learn to shield because they're and they're already conscious they're not grounding and they're not having healthy boundaries. So they're going to just jump over that fact and try to have healthy shields. Don't do it. We all need healthy grounding and healthy boundaries. And if it's hard for you, you're just going to have to work harder at it. You know, grow up. Do it anyway. <laughs> I don't even get this. Anyway, so then the next thing is having a really effective clearing practice that um, adapts to many situations and clears the root cause of why things are painful. That's what I mean by a clearing practice. There's lots of practices out here that get us out of the discomfort that we're in in the moment. But we just end up in that discomfort again because it's a pattern. And what I think are really effective clearing practices are the ones that help us clear the pattern. I will teach this again in Portland next month. You are welcome to come and join me. It is only a weekend, Friday to Sunday. And for the many of you that have asked, um, I can't travel to a class right now. Could I please work with you privately online? If you can't afford to come to this weekend class, which is extremely affordable, you cannot afford to get a tailor-made process for you one-on-one -on -one with me, believe me. I mean, that's why it's a class so that it's actually affordable and effective for people to learn together. It'd be monumentally more expensive to spend all that time we have in class working with me one-on-one. -on -one. You've got to be kidding. Okay, so come to class. <laughs> all right. and, and the important thing is to do the clearing that arises from this painful stuff that starts to show up when we step into our power and have healthy boundaries because these are the mirrors for us. I mean, we can't 
stand there and pout, which I do occasionally because we're being projected on because it's unjust and it's unfair and it hurts like hell and then not look at the mirrors in our own life. So it, it, it goes both ways. The next thing is that we have to trust that modeling the right use of power health and modeling healthy boundaries in and of itself is leadership even though the person apparently is not noticing because it used to be when I started doing this work people used to say well people have to stumble across something three times 25 years ago that was the advertising number they have to stumble across it three times to notice and even kind of pick it up and then it may take three more times for them to decide to do anything about it and that's that's how humans are today. Well, today, with the incredible uh, amount of distraction in people's lives, it may take seven times just to get them to notice it and pick it up. It may take seven more for them to do anything about it. So you just have to trust. Maybe you're number one. Maybe you're number four. You're just not number seven. You're just not the one that's going to allow that person to pick it up. But you need the one and the two and the three and the four and the five and the six if the person's ever going to get to seven and pick it up. So just stand there and trust. Do it well. Trust that modeling it matters profoundly, even though you're still getting projected on and it still hurts. Do it anyway and trust. Just trust. There is a bigger process at work and you will likely not be there for number seven. Some of the profound little gifts in my life have been years after something when the person does do their number seven and they do learn new things and they do gain a different perspective on their life and then they do have time to review their life and they look back and they realize what that moment was and they actually send me a letter and acknowledge that send me a little note a little email you know I realize now back when blah 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 happened that was really about this trying to come through and now you know da 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 has happened and I'm happy and da 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 it's lovely it doesn't always happen it's very rare but they are delightful little gifts along the way so the next thing is keep up the good work use your power have healthy boundaries. Keep developing in your capacity to be that person in the world. Just keep doing that work. And know that other people will adjust. Because in a system, especially if we're talking about families or work, people have to adjust. If one person changes within a system, the others do have to adjust. They will ultimately. If they don't ultimately there will come an opportunity within the system for it to be addressed. And you're just going to have to have courage when that happens to participate in addressing it. But trust, you know, give people time to change. The more unconscious they are about themselves and their own energy, the longer it's going to take. I mean, if they're truly unconscious, they might change instantaneously because they have no idea what's going on. But if they got enough idea of what's going on to really be agitated and angry with the change that you've made, well then, it might take them a while. And then the final thing, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more here at the end of the show, is what's important is that you actually own your rank, privilege, and power. In, your, in the spiritual sense of power and in the psychological sense of power. So in all of this, remember that other people are not your responsibility. Even in this case where the listener has been told people will seek her out for healing by the, by the other shaman and that, um, and that it will be because she's had her power restored, it's still not her responsibility. So let's look at why problematic things happen when you pick up your power at a few different levels. So the most basic is energy, and we've talked about this on a gajillion shows, but just to go over it, as long as you are engaged in addictive and codependent relationships, you are inappropriately sharing energy with others. In other words, you are each other's drugs. As long as you are annoyed by other people who are triggering you, you are sharing energy with them. 
as long as you are deeply committed to healing others who have not asked you for that healing, you are inappropriately sharing energy with others. As long as you choose to not communicate honestly in relationships about your limits and boundaries and overwork, um, continue to not care for yourself in your relationships with others, you are inappropriately sharing your energy with others. As long as you are blaming other people for your life, you are inappropriately sharing your energy with others. In other words, these are all signs that you do not have healthy energetic boundaries or grounding or alignment with your own truth in your life. These are all the basic energetic structures that I've talked about on the show. There are shows about them specifically moving right along. Okay, so to change this dynamic with others in any way is exactly like cutting an addict off from their drug. So, of course, they're going to lash out. And I remember this so clearly the moment that I realized when I was with my drug addict boyfriend, who was the love of my young life, as long as I was present, he was clean. As soon as I was not present, he was using. And what I realized, as much as I loved him, and I did, absolutely, completely, as much as I believed he felt exactly the same way, I mean, I'm talking soulmate. What I also understood is that more important than that love, more compelling in his life than that love, was the drug. And that I was more the drug than I was the woman that he loved. And so I left, 3,000 miles away. So the important thing is recognizing when you are in unhealthy energetic dynamics in your relationships, you are the drug or the druggie, the addict. And when you start gain, gathering your own power and getting the real drug, you know, the real energy, not the substitute drug of stealing from other people's energy, then people are going to react because you've cut them off. So the next thing to understand is that for others who are somewhat healthier in their energy, there are still issues that arise out of their unconscious reactions. So there may be people that you're not in a deeply codependent, you know, messy, enmeshed energetic situation, but nonetheless, your stepping more fully into your power is triggering their own un- unconscious energies or pot- potentially shadow energies around their power. Um, so here is where we really get into mirrors and projections with people who could pay attention especially if they had the skills. So, projection. Whenever we step more fully into our power or authenticity, the possibility of new projection from others arises. One of the first things you can do as things start to get messy is thumbs up. It's a great sign. It means you really have changed something. So instead of getting all judgmental and pathologizing the situation, just recognize, wow, I changed something. I really really have embodied more power. I really am having healthy boundaries. Check to make sure that's really true. You know, maybe you're the problem, maybe not. But if you're really doing a good job and things are getting messy, just go thumbs up. Good job. I'm changing. Right? And as our listener described it in her life, she said, my helping spirits clarified. Um, Now that I have my voice and my power back. Um, that people want my power or that's what the helping spirit said and her perspective is that they she would say that they want their own power and they don't understand why she has hers and they don't have theirs so as you can see even in the explanation from the helping spirits is that convoluted situation of projection and mirrors I want what you have because what you have is actually reflecting back to me what I could have but I don't own it welcome to the house of mirrors so that's number one that's going on the next thing is integration the next thing that we need to look at once things get messy after the sudden return of power is whether or not you the person who received the power back has actually fully integrated that power into the person that you are in present time because when we receive particularly soul parts back and they are still in a state of not quite fully integrated yet, which because it takes a couple months actually to reintegrate our power. The, the, the incongruency between you as a current time person 
and the person you'll be once that soul part is integrated. So that incongruency between you and your soul part being not yet one, that can trigger people's responses. So when you're fully integrated, those reactions could fall away. So that's another thing to pay attention to, particularly if the return of power has come to you through soul retrieval work. You must integrate those soul parts because they're kind of hanging out there, not fully integrated, does trigger things in our life. And that's, and that's a fair response by the other person. They don't know what they're responding to, but they are responding to something that you're not yet fully owning. Now, granted, you're in a phase of integration, but the truth is you're not fully owning it yet. And so then the final thing would be manifestation. And this is where we start to tie into rank and privilege again. When we've integrated the energy, especially when we've had a sudden return of power, like with a soul retrieval, and we um, integrate that energy, but we don't take the risk in our life of changing our behavior, changing our actions, the, how we speak about things, how we speak about ourselves. We don't start choosing differently how to manifest this renewed power in our life. And we continue to act out and act, sorry, not act out, but we continue to act in our old patterns. Um, we often get frustrated with ourselves, but more importantly, others will start to react to that. And again, they won't know why they're reacting because what they're responding to is an incongruency in you. You have the power now, but you're not owning it and you're not using it. So those are the three things that we really need to look at. We really need to understand mirrors and projections. You need to be sure, especially when we're talking about soul retrieval work, that you've integrated that energy. And then finally, making sure that you are really manifesting it in your actions. Now, from the email from the listener, it's clear she's doing all these things. But to be thorough, it's important that everybody recognizes where we are incongruent, especially around power. It triggers other people's issues and that's a fair triggering because they are responding to your incongruency. You're the one who's incongruent. You're the one that needs to bring yourself into alignment. Okay. So I'm just deciding if we need to review this or move on. Think about a move on. Because we're running out of time. I might come back. So as um, going back to the listener's uh, question, she said, um, when I listen, I learn so much from your sharing of your own experience. I don't know if you would be willing to talk about your own story if you have one that is about, first, taking on your spiritual power. Second, what to do for yourself to take care of yourself when you have taken on the power. And what, if anything, can be done for others. And she says, currently I'm setting boundaries with my faculty member and journeying for healing to clear her attacks. This is one of the problematic relationships that's been uh, sort of provoked by her stepping into her power. And it's exhausting to be under a steady stream of attack from someone, particularly that you work with, right? And she says, I also pray for her. Okay. So for me, what was important was to actually study and to learn about what is really going on with power in our contemporary world. Because the descriptions of what is going on in the indigenous world, um, it's not that they are untrue, but they don't always really apply to what's going on with us. So in our world, contemporary world, um, there is deep, deep... Um, hierarchy or deep deep depth uh deep deep depth that's right. anyway there's a lot <laughs> of issues around rank and privilege in its relationship with power there's great range here that is not necessarily the case in um a healthier culture a spiritually healthier culture so for me i find and i think everybody should go back to the classic what, what i feel is now a classic called sitting in the fire written by arnold mendel it was published in 1995 you know it's a million years ago in today's time so if you have if you do any form of work that involves other people you need to read it 
and you have no excuse for not having read it because it's been out there since 1995. Um, there is much, much more work in this field, certainly today in the last uh, 20 years. Um, so there's lots to read and, and I encourage it if you actually are involved in healing practices with people. Now, interestingly, of course, the person who wrote in this question probably already knows this, but not everybody does. So get the book and read it and learn about rank, privilege, and power. Because the thing is, your lack of awareness about your privilege in life will provoke others. It is the nature of that incongruency. And so if you want to understand what privilege is, there's actually this great opportunity to do it in 10 minutes online. There is a video out there. Um, where several people are asked a series of questions and then told to either step forward or backward if the question applies to them. And the questions were based on an exercise created by social activists Margot Adair and Sharon Howell. And um, you just Google what is privilege and you can watch it. And it's, it's, it's um, such a simple way to simply show privilege in the contemporary world without judgment or drama or anybody shooting anybody and then if you're interested in this kind of thing you could also um, look at toolsforchange.org which um, is connected in with Margot's work and other people okay so privilege has back to Arnie so privilege has to do with many things the ethnic group you belong to there's legal privilege there's identity um, and how you use your identity how it's perceived by others um, there's psychological health that's part of privilege, physical health, size, strength, um, and spiritual privilege, right? And so it's important to know your privilege, and most people honestly don't. Um, and I, I have to constantly keep trying. You know, it's not something, as I change, I have to keep trying. It's not something you just know, and now you check that box, and you're done. Um, for, for example, underneath all of the risks that I have taken to craft my very, very unconventional life, all of it, all of the, the risk in writing the encyclopedia when nobody knew who I was and I had no academic credibility, um, being, being a shamanic healer, for goodness sakes, being a shamanic healer, give me a break. In America, right? Um, doing a radio show with no advertisers, um, all of the things that – I mean, for goodness sakes, the cycle training. I spent the first 18 years trying to explain to people why they would even bother to do it. Right? I mean, everything, huge, ridiculous, monster-sized risks. And my ability to do that all lies in white privilege. I trust that the world will provide for me if I just do my part, work hard, and allow it to provide for me. So would I trust that so deeply if I were not white in America? I'm not saying people of color can't trust that. I'm talking about my privilege, that everything in my life has shown me that that is true. I'm not saying everything's always gone well, but basically, I can trust that. And I know full well, if I were not white, and I'd made many of the choices that I made in my life, even if I'd had the courage to do it, would not have gone so well. So even in my absolutely unconventional, very non-white person life, my white privilege has allowed me to do it, to succeed in places where others might not have, to even risk things. Others might not have been willing to risk because it would have been foolish without that privilege giving them the power to make it work. That's privilege. I use mine all the time because it allows me to do things that I have no other way to get them done. It's part of the power that I have and not using your power is an abuse of power. So my endeavor to just try to use it in a good way. Okay, so then rank is the sum of a person's privileges. What matters about, this is Arnie again, what matters about rank is how it is used, the ins and outs, of because it's always there. Privilege and rank are always there. The question is, how do we use them? So the ins and outs of rank depend on a particular club, group, culture, nation, time. In other words, it's very – it's changeable all the time how we define things. Um, 
Rank also blinds us to the value of other people when we are blind to our own rank. Okay, so rank comes from things like profession, gender, skin color, expertise, economic class, age, religion, education, sexual orientation, health, psychology, spirituality. So it's all defined and redefined through um, – it's all defined and redefined by different groups, right? So in certain groups, being a person of color is going to give you rank. In other groups, it's not. And that, so it's all – it's an ever-changing thing. It's not like you can like define your rank and put it on your social security card and it's done. So spiritual rank because this is really what our listener is asking about. Spiritual rank comes from a relationship with something divine or transcendent like gods, goddesses, or spirits. Psychological rank comes from understanding psychology, not letting your mind run you and having a, an understanding of how to work your mind, how to understand, how to work with your beliefs. So psychological rank and spiritual rank in a sense, have their own power that is somewhat separate from our consensus reality power in America, for example, because spirituality and a healthy mental state are not necessarily part of the consensus reality power base. So what's interesting about rank, privilege, and power as you assess them is that you often have to trade one for the other. If you want consensus reality power, you may have to sacrifice psychological and spiritual power. If you want spiritual power, or like in my case, you're handed it and kind of forced to pick it up or not, then you may have to sacrifice your consensus reality power. So to be conscious, we need to recognize that there is this consensus reality power and it's ever-changing based on whatever the current cultural norming is. There's psychological power and spiritual power. We may have to trade one for the other. If we go back to my example from above about being a white person, I have pretty serious white person rank. Went to the right schools, intelligent, lots of consensus reality power. And I will be honest with you. It was painful and it was scary, but I had to trade most of it. Most of it, not all of it but most of it for spiritual power and psychological power. These days, it's very hard to get both. So there are many people, as they gain consensus reality power, even if they started out doing that because of a certain kind of psychological and spiritual power, they start to move further and further away from that very deep spiritual or psychological base that was their power and popularity in the first place. So it's a very interesting thing. It's always shifting. So if we're going to understand these little relationship dynamics in our lives, we need to do so with an understanding of rank, privilege, and power. So the one thing that I would offer, the biggest change that came in my life, was actually in a training session with Arnie Mandel. And we were talking about these things. And I'm sitting there looking at the group of people and seeing how many people really wanted initiation. And I was still struggling from mine. I was still reeling, still didn't know what it meant, still didn't certainly have anybody else in the world acknowledging that it meant anything. But I also could hear all these people who so badly wanted to have this initiatory experience, which is not uncommon when you're around a bunch of people that are interested in spiritual and psychological things. And I came to realize that having had that experience, I had a certain spiritual rank that I wasn't owning because nobody else was validating my initiation. And I realized that I had a certain psychological rank because I've been doing this kick-ass clearing process for the last 15 years at that time. And that it had really helped me grow up as a person and that I'd had an initiation from childhood to adulthood, messy though it was, and that I was individuated well from my parents and I was pretty healthy psychologically. And I realized at that moment in that beautiful container that Arnie was holding that I needed to own my spiritual and psychological power in every group I was part of, even if no one else saw it or owned it themselves or recognized it at all themselves. 
And the moment I had that awareness, and I am forever grateful to Arnie for creating the space for it, the chaos around my standing in my own power in my life diminished. Because it's not just about owning our power. It's really recognizing it's not just about power. It's about our psychological and our spiritual power and not just our using it and having healthy boundaries and trying to communicate and be in good relationship with people, but really owning it and validating it within ourselves and being at peace with the power we have been given in this life to wield it in the world and from that peaceful internal place to wield it well. So I give enormous gratitude to the people and to the helping spirits that have helped me understand these kinds of things. I give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around us here today for the earth below, the sky above, and to the heart that unites us all. Thank you everyone for joining me here today.